far as your Bible. Can you all back this off just a little bit, Gary, the volume on this mic, please? Um, uh, the best thing to uh, do is just keep your Bible handy because we're going to jump around. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, we're going to jump around a few other places. If you want to uh, open it up, really, I guess the first place is kind of a launching point. It's Matthew chapter 24, which we've been in the last couple of Sunday mornings. Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 5. I'll read those, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit. And then we're going to basically examine, just just look at some of what the uh, this, this group, the Moonies, believe and compare that to Scripture. Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 5. As he sat, this is Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. See to it that no one leads you astray. Or your translation may say, don't be deceived. Notice the intention of deceivers to lead you astray. These aren't people that are uh, just don't understand. These aren't people that just lack a little information. These are people the deceiver's intent is to deceive. They don't need more information to be corrected. Uh, they distort what information they have to deceive. They, they behave like their father, the devil. The intention of the deceivers is to lead you astray. We've been looking at the letter to the church in Galatia. In uh, the Judaizers in Paul's day are leading the people astray from the gospel. Throughout history, there have been deceivers. In some of you all here tonight, some of your lifetime. Some of you here will remember the uh, Jim Jones cult, the group that, I forget exactly where they flew to, but they, that's where the, the phrase, drink the Kool-Aid, came from. An entire group of people convinced this man is the Messiah led astray, deceived. And those deceivers behave like their father. Satan himself is described as the father of lies. Now, the group, this group that's purchased property in Thornhill of all places is in this long line of deceivers. Remember the passage we looked at this past Sunday. John wrote telling the church how to stay true to the gospel in Christ. Three things. Recognize the time. Understand the time that we're living in. If there's ever been a time we needed to be familiar with the scriptures, it's today. And we always have needed that. But I don't think we've ever lived in an age, certainly in my lifetime, where there's been more deceit happening on a daily basis. Not necessarily from a cult like we see here that we're going to focus on tonight, but just the deceit of there's no authority. There's, no, there's nothing that's true. There's nothing that's absolutely true. It's just whatever your truth is. That's a lie. That's deceit. Recognize the time. Remember God's work in your life and then hold fast to the truth. No matter, remember what Paul would say, no matter if an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you, let him be accursed. We measure everything by the word of God. And if you don't do that, you won't stay Christian. Measure everything by the word of God. No matter who teaches you, no matter who says it, measure it by the Scriptures. So we're going to start by reading through uh, some things, and, and I can give you the information where this is at. I didn't print this out for everyone. I am probably going to wish that I had my readers. I'm just going to go through this kind of point, uh, one point at a time, and we're going to begin with the history of the, uh, of the Moonies, the Unification Church. Sun Myung Moon was born in 1920 in what is now North Korea. At the time, Korea was under Japanese rule. Moon was raised in the Presbyterian Church, one of many faiths persecuted by the Japanese rulers. The political upheavals caused divisions and new movements in Korean Christianity, including, note this, including a group known as spiritualists who received new revelations from God and looked for a Korean messiah. In the origins of this group, you, its origins are rooted in these spiritualists who received new revelations from God. 
Now note the name of this cult originally. Uh, the name of this cult is the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity. That's, that's the sort of the beginning. Note new revelations from God. Now when you read that, when you read that, you should immediately have your, your alarm should be going off. New revelations from God. So here's a question. Is God giving new revelation? Absolutely not. How do we know that? Yeah, absolutely. Turn to Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. So this group's origins began with these spiritualists who receive new revelations from God, and they are looking for a Korean Messiah. Revelation chapter 22, verse number 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. That's a pretty clear picture of how seriously God takes tampering with his word. A strong warning not to add anything. And if you claim to have a new revelation from God, you would have to be claiming that the revelation you receive is as authoritative as Scripture, right? And if, new revela if, if there are new revelations coming from God, what is the measuring point? And there wouldn't be any because it would, there would be nothing settled to measure it by. Turn to 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Paul says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Notice, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Have you ever thought, how did we get the Scriptures? I think sometimes we think that the Scriptures are just another attempt by man to... Uh, it's kind of man's highest thoughts about what could possibly be God. That's not what we confess we believe about the Scriptures. The Scriptures are the Word of God. Every word in the Scripture is absolutely true. The Word of God is, the, is the, what we measure everything we hear by. But if there are new revelations coming, there is no settled standard. The Scriptures are given that the man of God may be complete. Now notice, the Scriptures are given that the man of God may be complete. If new revelation is coming, then the Scriptures would not be sufficient, would they? There would be something else we would need. We would be waiting on another word. The simple truth is this. God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness in the Word of God by the Spirit. He's given us everything we need. We don't need anything else to understand or know who God is. And always with the cult, there will be someone, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, there will be those who come along and say, I've got secret knowledge. I've got something you don't have that if you don't have it, you can't really know God. Ephesians chapter 2. So all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19 through 21. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Scriptures. Now we're still dealing with that first point. This cult has its origins in new revelations from God. And we're just walking through the scriptures that absolutely make it clear there are no new revelations coming from God. Note verse 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation of the apostle and prophets, what is he talking about there? What is that foundation? Well, it's Christ, but think about the apostles' ministry and the ministry of the prophets. What were they doing? Speaking the words of God. Prophets in the Old Testament would show up saying what? Thus says the Lord. They didn't come with their word. They came with God's word. And one of the measuring sticks of if someone was a prophet of God is if he spoke a word and it didn't come to pass, you clearly knew that person wasn't sent from God. We are built on their word and their ministry. Now, the foundation is complete. Before you can begin to build a structure, before you can begin to build a house, what is necessary? The foundation. If the foundation isn't finished, can you start the house? No, not if you want it to stand. It has to be finished. That imagery that Paul uses is intentional. We are built on this foundation. We don't need anything else. The simple truth is this. The Christian, the child of God, should be content with the word that God has given them. And if you have found that to be dull, the problem is not the word. The problem is something with you. The word of God is compelling. It's more compelling than any book I've ever read. It is the only book, someone has put it this way, it is the only book that reads me. It's not so much that I read it, it reads me. It shows me who I am. The foundation is complete. We don't need more revelation from God. Betty quoted this just a moment ago. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Jesus Christ is the final word from God. He is the clearest revelation of God. And he even says to Philip, when Philip asks him, Lord, if you will show us the Father, that will be enough. What does Jesus tell him? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the, how is it that Paul puts it? He is the, the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. If you want to know who God is, you look to Jesus. You turn to the Word of God. And anyone who tells you that you need more than that is a liar and a deceiver. Don't care who they are. That's why Paul says, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Notice this, they are looking for a Korean Messiah. A Korean Messiah. These new, now notice this, these new revelations reject Jesus as the only mediator between God and man. These new, in other words, these new revelations stand in exact opposition to the Word of God as we have it. There is no other mediator between God and man. And anyone who says that they are the key other than Christ is a liar and a deceiver. The fact that they are looking for another Messiah. Why are the Jews to this day, many still looking for a Messiah? Because they rejected the one God gave them. And when you reject the clearest revelation of God that there is, guess what's left to you? 
darkness, and deception. This group that's purchased property in Thornhill will appeal to a lot of people. They're very conservative. They make a big issue about the family. The family is critically important to them. They're politically conservative. They're culturally conservative. Most people in East Tennessee would be on board with their political aims. This group will attract many people. This group is a cult. God sent Jesus, and if you don't confess him as the Christ, what does John say? You're antichrist. And if you don't confess that Jesus is God, you don't have the Father. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So if you're looking for a Korean Messiah, it's pretty clear you haven't accepted the one God has sent, right? And if you don't confess Christ as the Messiah, this is not complicated, but it's why we need the Scriptures. See, sometimes we just listen to stuff, we want to give them a fair hearing. When someone comes to you and they are already not confessing that Jesus is the Christ, you don't have to give them a fair hearing. It's deceptive. It's a lie. It's not the truth. And those who follow their teachings will be damned forever. Scripture makes that very clear. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one way to be reconciled to God, and it's through Christ alone. The deceivers come and say that's not enough. There's another way. Point number two here, listen to this. Moon says that on Easter morning at the age of 16, he had a vision in which Jesus asked him, this is almost, this is blasphemous, asked him to complete his unfinished work as Messiah, which is to bring the kingdom of God to mankind and peace on earth. Accepting this call, Moon studied the Bible and other religious teachings and developed his complex doctrines about God, love, sin, and the means of salvation. What do you think was blasphemous about what I just read? Yeah, he says that he received a vision that he has to finish the unfinished work of Christ. Immediately, the verse Donnie quoted should be the first thing that comes to your mind. Jesus said, it is finished. The work of redemption is done. So notice this. Sun Myung Moon has a vision. Do we need visions to know the will of God As a matter of fact, if you think you need visions to know the will of God, you are rejecting the clear revelation He has given. We don't need visions to follow God. And if you claim to have a vision, if that vision stands in direct opposition to what God has already said, your vision ought to be trashed immediately, no matter how convinced you are of it. But what if if you sincerely believe it? What if you're convinced in your heart this vision is true, but it clearly opposes the Word of God? What's that, Sue? (laughs) Ask for forgiveness? Yeah. In other words, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how convinced you are of this. It doesn't matter. When the Word of God is crystal clear on an issue, that's the end of the discussion. The Word of God is the authority. But see, when you live in an era when there is no authority, guess what people are primed for? Deception. Because after all, in our day, you have your truth and I have mine. Your truth might not be my truth. But see, I've got to be true to my truth. That is a lie from the devil that there are different variations of truth that's authoritative. There is one word from God. That word is authoritative. This vision directly contradicts the clearly revealed work of Christ in the Scriptures. We have the Word of God. If you want to hear God speak, how do you do that? Read His Word. Anything else, anything else bouncing around in your head could be Probably not. I think sometimes that because we're not content with Scripture, what do people say they're going to do to go hear from God? 
I'm going to go sit out in the mountains for the next week. Listen, I'm all for you going to the mountains for a week, spend a month, whatever. It's fine. But if you think you can get closer to God sitting in the woods without his word, you're deceived. You, if you're going to know who God is, if you're going to hear from God, the way you hear from God is to read his word. That's the only certain word we have from God. So other, in other words, anything bouncing around your head is not necessarily authoritative. It may just be an upset stomach. It could just be that you haven't slept in a week. You measure everything by the Word of God. And because we have His Word, we don't have to guess. Does the, here's the issue. Does the Scripture teach that Jesus' work here is not finished? Absolutely not. I think Donnie said this just a moment ago. We're going to look at a few verses. John chapter 17. Verse number 4, I should have written these down, it'll take me longer to turn, and we'll read it. John 17, 4, Jesus says, no, this is not what Donnie just said, but it's in the same vein. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse number 4, he says, I glorified you on earth, notice this, this is Jesus, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's pretty clear. If that was the only verse we had, that'd be enough. How many times does God have to say something before it comes true? Once. It doesn't matter if he said it 50 times. If he said it once, it's as authoritative as if he had said it 10,000 times. I accomplished, notice that, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished what does it mean, accomplished? When you accomplish something, you finish the work it's done. He accomplished the work the Father gave him to do. Turn over to John chapter 19, verse number 30. John chapter 19, verse number 30. This is the passage that Donnie mentioned a moment ago. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? The work of redemption was finished. He accomplished the work the Father sent him to do. But the, the Unification Church, the Moonies, teach that Sun Myung Moon is actually came to finish the work that Christ didn't finish. John chapter 6 John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40. Jesus continues to talk about his mission. John chapter 6, verse number 37. Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me. Let me back up to verse 36. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus accomplished redemption. Jesus didn't come to make salvation a possibility. He came to save his bride, to rescue his people. He didn't do his best to do that. He actually did it. Otherwise, how can he claim it is finished if the work isn't done? The work was done. He did the work the Father sent him to do. There's nothing else need be done. And see, notice this. All you have to do to refute this cult is know the Bible. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do a lot of research into them. As a matter of fact, this is an old truism. We've heard it a thousand times. Betty mentioned it in Sunday school a few weeks ago. From the way that I understand it, one of the reasons, do you know one of the reasons why the Secret Service was ever founded to begin with? Yeah, but counterfeit money was a major problem. And how do they know what is a, what's a copy, a fraud, counterfeit? You study the original so that when you see the counterfeit, you don't have to research it all day. You're so familiar with that original that when you see it, immediately you know. One of the reasons we're so easily led astray is we just don't know the Bible. 
I mean, statistics and polls are pretty clear. Americans have Bibles, they just don't read them. We've got multiple copies in our homes, but we don't read them. We just don't know what it says, so we're easily led astray. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7 says this. Paul says, in him we have redemption. Notice this. We have redemption through his blood. If the message of the unification church is true, then there's not a one of us here tonight redeemed because there's not a one of us here tonight trusting in Sun Myung Moon or the message from his son to rescue us. And if, and if we're waiting on him to rescue us, then Paul, if... if if we're not redeemed through Christ, then Paul's lying. And if Paul is lying, then the Holy Spirit is wrong. And if the Holy Spirit is wrong, then we've trusted in the wrong thing to begin with. Right? Can God be wrong? There was a, there was a prophet, I think his name is, I don't want to mention his name because I can't remember exactly, but years ago, before the, well, after the attack on the World Trade Center, this prophet of God said, I knew that was going to happen. The Lord had told me that was going to happen. Well, that's kind of convenient. A week later, the Lord didn't tell him that was going to happen. He didn't know. The Word of God is the only sure word we have. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Jesus didn't come and try his best to save us. He paid the price for his bride. All of those that would ever believe on him, he paid the price. There's nothing else need be done. And again, anyone who tells you you're lacking anything is a liar and a deceiver. He bore the sins of his people. It is finished. And again, anyone who tells you Jesus isn't enough is a liar. Now, they also go on to say that it was his, that it was his mission to bring uh, the kingdom of God to mankind and peace on earth. Now, we need to think about that for a moment. Was it Jesus' mission in, his, in his, the first advent, in his coming to earth, was it his mission to bring the kingdom and peace on earth at that time? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he says, I have not come to bring peace, but what? A sword. Even the members of your own household are going to be against you. He, he, since Christ came, it, it created division. It created, it still does. Do you understand that when you preach the Word of God, it filters out the crowd? Jesus will not stand in a line of supposed messiahs. He will not be regarded as one among many. He is the Lord God Almighty, and it is only through Him that we are saved. And no matter who tells you anything different, they're lying if they don't say that. No matter how nice they are, no matter how well-intentioned that they are, they're still lying. It was, so what was Christ's mission? when he came the first time. Now, the, the Mooney cult says it was to bring peace and uh, harmony to mankind, create his kingdom on earth. He says himself, for this reason I have come to bear the sins of many. He came to give his life a ransom. He came as our substitute. Now, he came to take our place on the cross. This cult believes that America is the kingdom of God. It's one of the reasons that they've purchased the property in Thornhill. The property, from what I understand, the property in Thornhill is to kind of mirror Cheongpang. I think that was the name of it in North Korea. It's really the, the place of their origin. And you can watch a little video on YouTube. Uh, they, they, they felt it when they crossed this property. This plot in East Tennessee, this is where this place must be. America, I th I'm going to make this very clear because we're recording this and a lot of people are going to watch it. I thank God for living in this country. Thank God for it. This country is not the kingdom of God. If this country fell off the face of the earth tomorrow, 
It would not impede for one second what God intends to do. What did Jesus say, Matthew 16, 18? On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God has never promised to build the, uh, to build the empire of the United States of America. He has promised to build his church, and he will not fail in that. So, this cult believes America is the kingdom of God. And again, because this group is very politically and culturally conservative, they will attract a lot of people. Now, it goes on to say here, it's point number two, Moon studied, notice this, Moon studied the Bible and other religious teachings and developed his complex doctrines about God, love, sin, and the means of salvation. When you read that, there should be one problem right away. He developed his doctrine. Whose doctrine do we gather here to study? God's. God's. We come here to be instructed from the Word of God. He goes to the Scriptures and to other religious teachings, kind of trying to blend them together. It's kind of this idea that every religion teaches a way to God. They just come at it from different angles. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, if you come any other way, you're a thief and a robber. I am the door, is what Jesus says. If any man will come in, he will, he, he will find pasture. I am the door. Moon studied, developed his doctrine. That is a massive, massive problem. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16. Paul says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Think about the world that the church really uh, was born in. What kind of explanations were there for how the world came into existence? Greeks had an explanation. Romans had an explanation. The Egyptians had an explanation. Basically, every people group had an explanation for how the world came into existence. Well, what do we believe about how the world came into existence? Which says what, Delmas? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who told Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible? Who told Moses that? God did. In other words, we're not following cleverly devised myths. We're not, we're not trying to speculate our way to God. We're not trying to philosophize our way to God. We're not trying to educate our way to God. We're, what we're doing is we're receiving the revelation God has given us, and the Scripture makes it very clear. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Notice, he's just said we don't follow cleverly devised myths. And then he says we were eyewitnesses. What does Sun Myung Moon have as his claim that he saw this vision? What evidence is there? Only his claim. What evidence is there that Jesus was very God. Peter just says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What's he talking about? What event in the ministry of Jesus is Peter talking about there? The transfiguration. When they saw the veil pulled back for a moment and they saw him glorified. Basically, the way it's described as light emanating from him. They saw him in his glory. This isn't a cleverly devised myth. Would you die for what you knew was a lie? No, he writes with certainty, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it. Verse 17, for, so in other words, the men writing this, this, this isn't their best attempt to expose God to man. They saw this. 
For when we received honor, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now notice what he goes on to say. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. They not only saw his glory, this isn't a vision. This is a revelation. We saw, we heard, we were with him. There's a certainty in what he's saying. All we have from Sun Myung Moon is the claim that at 16 he was visited by Jesus. And people are so gullible they believe that. When we have the Word of God, we have eyewitness testimony. We have men who died because of their trust in Christ giving eyewitness testimony. He says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Remember the warning Jesus gives. Not only will a deceiver come, what does he say? Many deceivers will come. Many. This isn't the end it's just the beginning. It's just another deceiver in a long line of the devil's messengers. He says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. What does that mean? When you read that, what is the point he's making? No prophecy was produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The people are going to argue. People will argue with you. Well, what makes your religious teachings different from the Unification Church? Well, we don't believe. Notice what we just read. How did Sun Myung Moon come up with his doctrine? He studied the scriptures and other religions and developed. His own complex doctrines. That's not what we have in the Scriptures. That's not what that says. This says no man sat down and devised this. This says no man came up with his own complex set of doctrines. This says holy men of God were moved by the Spirit to write the words of God. We don't believe the Bible. We don't compare the Bible to uh, the divine principle, which is the sacred text of the Moonies. We'll look at that later. We don't believe the same thing about that. We believe this is the very Word of God. And we make no apology for that. We, we're not ashamed of that. We're not looking for something more relevant or new. Number three. Number three. He has more and more visions. But now we're going to talk about his marriage to Miss Kim Miss Kim met Reverend Moon in 1954, converted to unificationism, and became the first missionary of the Unification Church to the United States. She settled in Eugene, Oregon in 1959, where she was student at the University of Oregon in order to stay in the United States. She worked to support her expenses and in her spare time proselytized and began translating the divine principle into, into English. She gained a few followers, and the group relocated to San Francisco. Meanwhile, Sang Ik Choi led the movement in Japan beginning in 1958. He had, notice this, he had much success in proselytizing, especially among high school and college students, and he employed a very systematic approach to gaining converts and training them in Japan. In her spare time, she proselytized. What does that mean, to proselytize? Yeah, she's seeking converts. She's witnessing. She's going out with the intention to deceive. Again, that warning from Jesus. In the last days, deceivers will come. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Paul says, beginning in verse number 13. He says, while... Let me back up to verse number 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. Uh, Paul is basically saying these things are going to continue. The alarming thing, I don't know if you've thought about this, this is in our backyard. I mean, this is what we say across the mountain. It's just on the other side. Betty, you started to say something? And maybe, Betty, I think that's a good point, maybe it will alert us to the deception that's already here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, the enemy never shows up as he's described in Scripture. How is he described? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A dragon that rips down a third of the stars from heaven. He's not pictured. He never presents himself that way. As a matter of fact, the image in Genesis chapter 3 is someone who's very approachable. Did God really say? Is this what he meant? Conversational. If yes makes his ministers appear as angels of light, which is why you have to be familiar enough with the Scriptures to see and discern immediately, to know, to be alarmed, to be aware of what's actually going on. If Satan showed up as he is, no one would have anything to do with him. But he approaches, he's subtle, he's deceitful. And the best way, one of the best ways to deceive someone is to get whatever they believe as close as you can to the original. Get it as close as you can. Be as kind as you can. Be as gentle as you can. He goes on to say, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Firmly believed. What is your conviction about the Scriptures? What do you really believe about them? If you believe they are the very Word of God, then the only thing you can do is stand when the truth is under assault. What other choice do you have? These aren't things we hold loosely to. These are things we, we place our, our life on, our, our future on. He says, hold uh, the things that you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Do you know what we think our children have no tolerance for? The Word of God. That's boring. They ain't going to sit and listen to somebody teach. They ain't going to sit and listen to that. Now listen, this is going to get me more in trouble than the other stuff. I'm not against kids. Having, I want them to have fun. I don't want them to come to church and feel like they're at a, you know, at a labor camp. But if all we do is have fun when they're here, they can do that a thousand other places. They can do that a lot of other places. What we cannot do is not give them the truth. And kids are able to believe and think and understand a lot more than we give them credit for. Our kids, we've got to somehow, this has been on my heart and mind for years. We have to somehow, 
We have to somehow think of a way from the time our kids are born. How can we soak them in the scriptures, train them in the word of God, help them to learn to think biblically? If we don't do that, my fear is you won't have a Christian church in the county in 20 years. The least of our concerns then will be the unification church. It'll be the lack of our churches. We have to teach our kids the word of God. We have to systematically do that, line upon line, precept upon precept, teach them the Word of God. I think we're too interested now in whether they think it's, whether they're going to like it, how they feel. Mariah, I told her, I wish I had the conversation recorded I had with Mariah last weekend. It was about an hour. It reminded me of your precious Mamma Vi. She would call me with questions, and we would talk, and we wouldn't always agree. And sometimes Vi could get her hackles up. And, uh, but, you know, we never hung up the phone mad. She would just say, I don't know. And so we'd talk later. But for an hour, solid, substantial questions. She's reading a book now, not to put you on the spot, uh, Mariah, but Mama Bear uh, Apologetics. Every mom raising a kid right now ought to have that book on their shelf and should be reading it. Yeah, absolutely, or grandkids. It's, it's fantastic. You have to get your hands on that book. Um, we've got to have moms like Mariah who understand it's not even necessarily the church's job to do this. Whose job is it to teach your kids about Christ first? Yours and his dad's. Deuteronomy 6, that's exactly right. As you go, as you go, we, right, and we can't do everything that needs to be done here. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this cult, and we're not going to finish tonight. I didn't figure we would, but this cult. You know, the Rod of Iron Ministries is the, son, is the ministry of Sun Myung Moon's youngest son. That Rod of Iron Ministries, they take that from Revelation 19, I think, which talks about he will rule them with a rod of iron. Well, they interpret that to mean an AR-15. And so they worship with, he wears, you can, he wears a crown of empty shell casings around his head, and they worship with their interpretation of the rod of iron and AR-15. Well, there's a lot of things I could say to that, Betty. Yeah. Well, the problem's not the guns loaded. It's the it's the other stuff that's loaded full of nonsense that they that they don't worship with with loaded guns. Um. So back to this really quickly, and we'll we'll stop here tonight. And um. So he says, "How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." Try to imagine for a moment being eight years old in this world. Has anybody seen the Twix commercial that came out today? It's like a minute and a half, two minutes long. The whole point of this commercial about a candy bar is normalizing eight-year-old boys dressing like little princesses, and it's normal. It's normal. And anybody who doesn't think that's normal needs to kind of be tossed out. Now, is it possible that there's an eight-year-old boy who's having some, some issues? Of course. And how should, that, how should that boy be treated? Should he be picked on, mocked? Absolutely not. He should be loved and cared for, and so should his family. But what we can't do is we can't forsake the truth and say that we're too loving to state the truth. That's not loving. That's evil. If you won't state the truth, it's not kind. It's hateful, and it's wicked. We have candy bar commercials now promoting this agenda, and our kids are growing up in a world where they can't even go to school now, and there be things that are normal. Their home life isn't normal. Most of them 
don't live with mom and dad. Their school life isn't normal. I had a conversation with someone recently that basically said, even when a kid's not doing well because of so many funds at stake, we shuffle them through the system. There's no, there's, that's not normal. Now their gender is fluid. There is no truth. There is no authority. There is no word from God. We're just animals in the world trying to figure out life the best we can. And the best spiritual guide we have in America is Oprah Winfrey, to our shame. We have to have men in our pulpits that will say what God's word says. The only hope for a world this confused is that someone will say what God says and pay whatever price that comes with that. We're going to stop here tonight and we're just going to continue walking through some of the things they say they believe. We're going to immediately compare them to Scripture because I, I, want, I want you to see that's what you do. You hear this and you search the Scriptures as the Bereans did. They heard this and they went to the Scriptures to see if these things were true. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to, be to, uh, opportunity to be together for a few moments tonight. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Father, your every word is true. Everything you teach us is right. There's no confusion when we come to your word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And yet we live in a culture with very educated people who claim that life just spontaneously began. There was no reason for it. It just started. It's nonsense, and yet it's believed by many. And we confess, no matter what is said about us, no matter how simple we are thought to be, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made them male and female, and everything was very good. There's only one mediator between God and man. Your word is truth. Your word is a light in the darkness. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to, to search everything by the Scriptures, no matter who teaches it. Your word is the authority. And Father, I pray that you would I pray that you'd help us as a church. I pray that you'd help moms and dads to take very seriously their responsibility to train their children, to teach them your word. And I pray that you'd help us as a church, Father. Give us wisdom. Help us to know how to equip our moms and dads and, and grandparents to help shepherd their children in a very dark, confusing age. Father, we pray that you would forgive us where we fail you. We pray that you'd give us courage to stand on your word. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologize for not getting a whole lot further tonight, and we'll pick up again uh, with uh, where we stopped next Wednesday night. So thank you so much for uh, coming. Look forward to seeing you this weekend.